We started a new series last week uh, to the ends of the earth, and we are looking at the book of Acts. We're going to go through the entire book of Acts, and we're looking at what took place uh, after Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And uh, the book of Acts, one of my favorite, uh, I say that about, for those of you who are visiting, I say this every time we preach a book, it's my favorite book. Um, Acts really is, I think it's one of the greatest stories ever told. I love uh, the book of Acts. Last week in chapter 1, Luke set the stage for us really. Um, Jesus tells his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until the the promised Holy Spirit comes. Uh, He tells them that the Holy Spirit is coming and when the Spirit comes, he will come with power and then they are to be his witnesses Um, to tell others who he is and what he's done, to share his story, the story of his life, death, and resurrection uh, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After Jesus tells his disciples that, he ascends. He ascends to the right hand of the Father, is in heaven now with the Father, um, until he returns. Jesus promised that he would return. So that's where he is now. Um, Immediately after this happens with the disciples, uh, they go to Jerusalem, just like Jesus told them to do. They gather, about 120 of them gather in the upper room where they uh, had met with Jesus They prayed together, they were in in the scriptures together, studying the word of God, and by faith, believing all that Jesus had said to them, they waited. They waited for the Holy Spirit, and they prepared for his coming. So this morning, that's where we pick up, and uh, in Acts chapter 2, we're going to see what an incredible day that that was. Um, We'll see the coming of the Spirit and the birth of the church. So before we jump into that, let's pray together. Um, As I ask every week, I ask if you guys would pray with me. Uh, Don't just listen to me, but go to the Lord with me. And um, together, let's ask God if he would do something amazing in our midst. Uh, Let's ask if the Holy Spirit would be um, extra gracious to us today to teach us, to encourage us um, where we need encouragement, to bring conviction uh, to us as followers of Jesus where we need conviction. So let's just pray that God would do what only he can do this morning in our midst. Would you guys pray that with me? Yeah, good. Let's pray together. Father, you are good and gracious. Thank you for the time that we've already had together today. Thank you, Holy Spirit, uh, that you are with us, just like Jesus promised, always, every day. Uh, we pray that you would be especially gracious to us today, that you would you would teach us, that you would... Um, The words that we are reading, for those who have been in church for very long, are not new words. I pray they would be fresh today. Holy Spirit, make these words fresh. Help us to see what a beautiful day this was. Um, Make our imagination alive as we read this story to to see just how amazing that it was. Help us. Help us to be the people that you've called us to be, to see even today what that means. Um, Do today, Father. Do today, Holy Spirit, what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, let's start with, we're in Acts chapter 2, and we're going to go through um, verse 41. Let's start with what a unique day this was, the day um, of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2 Uh, Verse 1 says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. 
Uh, Pentecost was a very special day. So I, I grew up in Baptist church, reading on it and studying it makes this day that I did know about from Acts chapter 2 um, even more incredible. Pentecost was a huge, it still is, a Jewish celebration. Um, it takes place 50 days after Pentecost, I'm sorry, after Passover, and it was the celebration of first fruits. It was the celebration of the first harvest. It was an agricultural thing. It was connected with the first harvest of, of the year, um, and, and really it was a time of celebrating uh, God's promises and his faithfulness to fulfill the promises that he made. So, so it was a time for them when they would look back at the promises of God. They would remember those promises that he made to them as they came out of slavery from Egypt, wandering in the wilderness. He promised them a land and he promised them blessings. He promised that he would provide everything that they needed and, and more abundantly. He would bless them in their harvest, right? That's what they were celebrating. He would bless them more than all the nations around them. The nations would see the hand of God on Israel even through, um, even through this, their harvest. So, so they, were, they were remembering God's promises. As the harvest was coming in, they were celebrating God's faithfulness to provide for them. Um, as, they were, as they were doing that, it was more than that because it was also uh, at this time, the, 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 the time of Pentecost for them, that God gave his people the Ten Commandments. Right? So they're, they're, they're celebrating the harvest, they're celebrating God's promises and him fulfilling those. And, and with the, the law came this covenant where they would become God's people and he would be their God. And so they are celebrating as well what it meant to be God's people. It was a looking forward uh, as well for them. So they are looking forward to, this was a celebration of the first harvest, they're looking forward to the second harvest. So by faith, they're celebrating what God has done and what God promises he will do, believing that he would do that thing. The, the same is true with the law. Like the law made them God's covenant people and it was something that they celebrated and it was great and amazing and worth celebrating for them. But even through the law, they were looking forward forward to something greater than the law. They were looking forward to the day that God would fully and finally establish his kingdom with them and they would fully and finally be his people and they would be or he would be their God. So this was a, a huge day um, and celebration for the Jewish people. The atmosphere in history books is, is described as electric. Right? In Jerusalem, the streets are filled with people, people from all over the world. Uh, all over the world, people are coming to Jerusalem for this big celebration. So thousands, thousands, thousands from all over the world making their way to Jerusalem. The streets are full of people. It's loud. There's energy. The harvest is coming in, and it is a time of great, great celebration. And that's when it happens, verse 2. The disciples are gathered just like Jesus told them and they're praying together in the upper room and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we... And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, uh, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. So here's what we're seeing, right? Jesus made that promise. Go to Jerusalem and stay there until the Spirit comes. And when the Spirit comes, He will come with power. The Holy Spirit comes and everything is changed. That's what we're going to begin to see in the book of Acts. Everything is changed. This scene is, is absolutely amazing. As they're gathered and they're praying, faithfully hoping, Jesus said the Spirit's coming, don't know what that's going to look like, but they are hoping and believing and waiting for the Spirit to come. And then suddenly for them, without any warning, the room is filled with the sound of a mighty rushing wind. I said this before, this is like tornado sound. If you can imagine the sound of a tornado suddenly filling the room that they, were, that they were in, and at that time, tongues of fire appeared to them and came down and rested on each one of them. Now, I am asking you to use your imagination here, because this is, this is crazy. They are, they, are, they are praying, and, and, and suddenly we have this incredible supernatural event. It, it, it had to freak them out. Like, I love Jesus. You all know that. I do. I love Jesus. I believe in the supernatural. I do. But this would freak me out. Like, if you can imagine being in that place, it just, just, just the sound of a tornado, like that's the mighty rushing wind that not only fills the room that they are in, they're not the only ones, as we'll see in a second, who hear that noise. It is a mighty, mighty, mighty rushing wind. And, and as that happens, and I'm sure they're all looking around thinking, what in the world is going on? Then come these tongues of fire, divided tongues of fire coming down like from heaven and landing on each one of them. It is absolutely nuts, but that's what happened. God was making huge changes. God was doing something that had never been done before, and he wanted to... He, listen, there was not a disciple in that room who would leave after this day and say, I said this before, but they, they, they wouldn't wonder like, hey, do y'all think that was the Holy Spirit? Like God was doing something, and God was making it very clear to them, hey, this is what Jesus said was going to happen. The Holy Spirit will come, and when he comes, he will come with power. And he came with the power of the mighty rushing wind and, and tongues of fire coming down on each one of them. It was a day that, like, like no other day before, the Holy Spirit would now come and remain with the disciples, dwell with them, abide in them. 
The Holy Spirit had never lived in that sort of a relationship with God's people before. So, so this was huge, a huge day. Tornado sounds, flaming tongues, they had no doubt the Holy Spirit had come. Then it says in verse 4 that they were filled with the Spirit. So this too is like a new day for them. For, for, for them, this, this was, was something they had never experienced in their life. It was new. And, and, and Jesus said, Holy Spirit is coming with power, and, and he did, and his presence was in them, and it was undeniable to them. But what we're going to see in just a second is that it was also undeniable to everyone else who was around them. Through them, God was making known that the Holy Spirit had come. Through them, God was making known his presence to his Jewish people. And people would be drawn to the gifts of the Spirit. And he was making himself known so that people would be drawn to him and drawn to the message of the disciples. So in this case, it says that the disciples were filled with the Spirit and they began to speak. Verse 4 says, They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were speaking in tongues. Is speaking in tongues real? Yes. We just read it. Speaking in tongues is, 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 is real by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all the charismatics said, amen. amen. So verse 6, right, that we read a moment ago, said that there was this sound, the sound of a, a, a mighty rushing wind, and, and these people are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they all begin to speak in tongues. And the sound that comes from the upper room leaves the upper room, and it goes out into the streets where all of the people are, and all of the people who are in Jerusalem walking the streets, they're celebrating. God's faithfulness, they hear this mighty rushing wind, they hear these strange sounds, and they are wondering what it is, and so the multitude comes and gathers to see what is going on. Second half of verse 6 says, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Down in, uh, at the end of verse 11, it says, We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. So the tongues here in Acts chapter 2 that's being described is, is incredible as these Galileans who didn't know all of these different languages, as the Holy Spirit fills them and then through them begins to speak, they are hearing everything in their own language their own native tongue. So people who had gathered from all over the world, some of them Jews, Hebrews, others, proselytes who came into the faith, they're all there. They speak languages. That's why all of these different places are mentioned because these are all places that would have different native languages and they have all gathered and suddenly they're hearing, each one of them hearing the disciples who didn't know all of these languages speak in their native tongue. Incredible. So the Holy Spirit comes, howling wind, tongues of fire. They're filled with the Spirit. They begin to, to speak in tongues. And it says that the multitude who had gathered, they hear it. They all gather. They go to see what's happen, happening, and they are amazed. 
They're amazed at the howling wind. They're amazed at the tongues. And they are amazed at the message that is being proclaimed. Their message was a message of good news. Right? Their message was a message of good news. So what was the good news promised? So first of all, they shared that the Holy Spirit had come just as promised. So verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk. Right? That's what some of the people were mocking them, were saying when they had, saying they had been in the wine. They're saying they're drunk. What's happening is a bunch of drunk people looking like fools. And Peter says, no, these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days, he goes on to, to, to quote from Joel, In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone, everyone, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peter is talking to the Jewish people here. Now remember this celebration that we were talking about. All these Hebrew people from all over the world who, who practice Judaism have, have come to Jerusalem to celebrate God fulfilling all of his promises. That's what this was about. They're gathering to celebrate the faithfulness of God. God made these promises, and God is fulfilling these promises, and we're celebrating that, and we are hopeful, and we have a confident expectation that all of those promises yet to be fulfilled will be fulfilled. That's why they are there. That's what Pentecost is about. And Peter says, my Jewish brothers and sisters, do you remember the prophet Joel? And of course, they all remember the prophet Joel. Peter says God promised that there would be an outpouring of his spirit. He promised signs and wonders and prophecy from those who had his Holy Spirit, from those filled with his Holy Spirit. Peter says this is what you are seeing. This is the outpouring that God promised in, in, in and through the prophet Joel. This is it. The Holy Spirit has come and God has fulfilled yet another of his promises. Right? In, the, in the wilderness, in the wilderness on this day, he gave us the law. Today, Peter is saying, God gives us his spirit. Incredible, incredible day. The Holy Spirit has come just as promised. And, and here's the second bit of good news. The Savior and King has come also just as promised. Verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite, the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me. 
For he is at my right hand that I might, that I might not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Peter says, brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. David died, David was buried, and we know his body is still in that tomb to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ. That he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend to the heavens But he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Peter is using one of Israel's most beloved kings, maybe their most beloved king, David, to show that that, that what had happened in the life, death, and resurrection of fulfillment of yet another fulfillment of prophecy and another fulfillment of God's promises. He's showing them that, that David himself was not the one, but that David himself foretold of the coming of the one, and the one that he talked about was Jesus. He's telling them that that this too is the promise of God fulfilled and today at Pentecost revealed to you clearly through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This Jesus is the promised one. He is the redeemer of Genesis 3.15. He is the king that was promised to Isaiah and in and through Isaiah. David told us, Peter is saying, that he would die and be raised and this... This you have witnessed. Verse 36, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. And then watch what happens. Verse 37, the church is born. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children, and listen to this, and for all who are far off, everyone, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Wow. Incredible. What an incredible, incredible day. The, the, the Spirit comes with this incredible and undeniable, in this incredible and undeniable way. The disciples are filled with the Spirit. 
They spoke the gospel in the languages of people from all over the world that day who were present. They were enabled by the Spirit. The Spirit empowered their words. 3,000, more than 3,000 heard. 3,000 heard and believed the gospel that day, and the church was born in Jerusalem. Most incredible day. And what better day for that to take place than the, 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 the celebration that was already going on of Pentecost? What better day for this to happen? But there is, is, is more that was going on than meets the eye at first glance, and it has a huge bearing on us. So, so I, I want to talk about that, more change than meets the eye. First of all, there was a change in God's people. Now, th- this, this really impacts us. There was a change in the God's people. In God's story, we see in the book um, of, of Genesis, in the early books of the Bible, God created a people. We talk about it often here. There was creation. Everything was good. Sin entered the world. We had the fall, and things went downhill. God was not satisfied that he would be separated from his people. He immediately promises a redeemer is coming. A redeemer is coming who will fix this brokenness and restore all things as it is meant to be. And, and, and in those first books, we see the unfolding of how God would do that. God would make for himself a people. Right, starting with Abraham and the descendants of Abraham going to the nation of Israel. Through the nation of Israel, he would redeem for himself a people. He would redeem for himself a people. He would make for himself a people. The the Israelites were his first people, and through them he would work. Now, up until this point, up until this point, that is the way that, that history had gone. God had formed the nation, the nation of Israel, these Hebrew people. They, they were a, a nationality. They were, a, um, they were an ethnic people, the Hebrew people. God formed them. They were his people, and, and, and everyone else was excluded. Now, you could become a proselyte, right? The, Israel, the people of Israel, um, as God blessed them, were supposed to point the rest of the world to God and call them to follow God. When this happened, those people who were not Hebrew, uh, the Gentiles, would, the, the males would have to be circumcised, they would have to agree to follow the law, and they would have to keep the law just like all of the other Jews. Then they could come into uh, the kingdom of God's people. But even with that they would be excluded from certain things there were places they couldn't couldn't go things that they couldn't do they couldn't marry um, the Hebrew people and and there were places like they weren't allowed to go into the temple so so I I said in first service they were like the red-headed stepchild right they were they were a part of the family but they weren't really a part of the family this is the way things had worked up until this point but look at verse 39 for the promise is for you and for your children Hebrews and for all who are far off everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself the promise is not just for you and your Hebrew children Peter is saying it is for all who are far off for all who are far off for the Gentiles for the nations, for, for everyone whom the Lord calls to himself. What, what promise was he talking about here? 
He's talking about the promise in verse 38, the promise of forgiveness, the promise of redemption from sin, the promise of restoration to God the Father, the the, the promise of the Holy Spirit and becoming a child of the Most High God. God is making clear that this huge day where the Holy Spirit is coming is not just a day for the Jews in Jerusalem and Judea, but it is for the Samaritans and those in Samaria and for those at the uttermost parts of the earth. God is opening wide the kingdom for the first time in history. People of every tribe and tongue and nation. In Christ now there are no red-headed stepchildren. Amen? In Christ, there is one people, God's people. We are brothers and sisters. We are are sons and daughters of the king, heirs and co-heirs to his promises. We are one family in Christ. That is a huge, huge change. We We are here. We are here today. We are doing this thing that we do today and every Sunday and in our missional communities during the week. We are here because of the change that God made and showed us on the day of Pentecost. God's people changed. God's dwelling place changed, right? So so before this day when people wanted to go to God or to be in the presence of God before Pentecost, the place that they did this, there was one place. It was the temple in Jerusalem. There was no other temple. There was no other place. That was the place, the temple in Jerusalem. And and, and they they, they wouldn't actually be the ones to go into God's presence. God's spirit would, would dwell in the temple in the Holy of Holies. There was only one man who could go into the Holy of Holies, and that was the high priest. And the high priest could only do this certain times of the year, and he could only do it after he had done a, a, a thousand different rituals to cleanse himself. Then he could enter into the presence of God on behalf of God's people. But God is here changing that, and this is absolutely incredible as well. Jesus sent the Spirit just as he promised. And as promised, the Spirit would come and now indwell everyone who believed, everyone who loved and followed Jesus. He would abide with them and he would abide in them. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 1 verse 16, this promise is true of every single believer. Paul says that the moment that you heard the gospel and you believed, you trusted in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus for your sins, in the moment that you believed in his provision rather than your own, you were sealed in the Holy Spirit as a child of God. Sealed in the Holy Spirit by the Holy Spirit until the day of your final redemption. You are his, and he is yours, with you and indwelling you. And this, this is so big. We, 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 don't, we don't have to go to a high priest. The Lord is with us. We, we don't have to go to the church and go into a confessional to confess our sins. The Lord is with us. We don't need another intercessor. We have the Spirit of God dwelling with us. We don't have to come to this building to be in the presence of God or any other building. God is with us in the Holy Spirit. He is with us and He will never leave us and He will never forsake us. He is with us forever. 
Man, that is good news. This, of course, has bearing as well on God's mission. God's mission has like expanded after Pentecost a gazillion fold in, in so many ways. God is reaching out to all peoples, and he is reaching out by all peoples. There was a time, as I talked about before, when, when, when it was Israel who, who was, was the mission people. Um, and, and, and now God has, has opened the door even of his mission, not just for Israel, but for all the nations. We are all children of God together by, by, by faith and the work of the Holy Spirit and what Jesus has done to make us sons and daughters of the King. We're one big family and we've all been called to this same mission of God. We have received a new identity. We are missionaries. Every one of us, missionaries. The great commission that was given to those first disciples is our commission. As you go, as you go about your life, you will be my wake disciples. Telling people. In Acts 1, when he says, you will be my witnesses, y'all, that's us. We are now made missionaries and called to be his one of us in the uttermost parts of the earth. That's us. That's us. The Holy Spirit goes with us, and it's the Holy Spirit who empowers us and convicts. This this ties in with God's power. God's power. God's called us to the mission, and, and, and God has empowered us, not just for the mission, but for the mission. In the Old Testament, God did not again indwell people permanently with his spirit. The spirit would come for certain things um, to empower people to do certain things at special times. And then the spirit would leave. Now the spirit indwells all of us as believers forever. Indwells us and empowers us to live the life that Jesus has called us to live. We are empowered to live the life that Jesus has called us to to live. In in part, that means that the life of holiness that we are called to live as followers of God, as people who are sanctified, set apart for him, we are empowered to do that by the Spirit of God that now indwells us. We are empowered to live that life. We are empowered as missionaries. We're empowered to follow through with being missionaries. But here's the great thing. The the, the Holy Spirit that convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment, right? As we are on mission, the Holy Spirit does the work. We share the gospel. The Holy Spirit opens the eyes of people to hear the good news of the gospel and believe it. The Holy Spirit also convicts us. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and righteousness and judgment as well. The Holy Spirit convicts us when, when, when we are walking towards sin. The Holy Spirit convicts us as followers of Jesus in, in what is righteous and good and holy in the direction that we should go. God has empowered us to live the very life that he's called us to live, both as his set-apart people and as his missionaries. And this is huge. This is huge. Before this day, right, God's people were called to follow the law. That's what they were called to do. The law called us and called them to, to, to do many things, but the law gave no power. The law gave absolutely no power. Now by God's gracious gift of his spirit, God has empowered. God empowered them and God empowers us. He enables us to be the people that he's called us to be and to do the things that he's called us to do. 
And where in the past it had been a select group of people who who did these things, God has made us his family. God has made us all missionaries. God has called us all to this same thing. There used to be um, priests. We believe now in the priesthood of the believer. Every single one of you, if you are a follower of Christ, you are a priest in the priesthood of believers. Empowered by the Spirit to do the work that God has called you to do. And it all started on that day, right? I mean, that's a lot that we just went through. God was, was changing. God was introducing. It was always his plan, and he's rolling out his plan on that day. What an incredible day the day of Pentecost was when the Holy Spirit would come with power. And the disciples would stand up and, and proclaim Jesus, and, and 3,000 people would believe that day, and the, the church was born. What an incredible day. From, from, from a people, the, the, the Hebrew people, Israel, to, to all peoples, all tri- tribes and, and tongues and nations, from, from a building in Jerusalem to the Holy Spirit indwelling all believers, from a mission for some to a mission for all, and not only for all, by all, but to all, to the nations, to the ends of the earth from powerless to the very power of God indwelling us. Huge, huge changes. Why was the day so crazy? That's why the day was so crazy. God was doing something crazy and incredible that impacts us. 120 people. 120 people by the power of the Spirit and the grace of God turned the world upside down starting that day. Turn the world upside down. Now, here's the thing. I said this last week in closing. This isn't just the story of Acts. This isn't just their story. This is our story as well. This is our story. I don't don't mean that I expect to see another Pentecost. Maybe maybe we see something big and huge and crazy like that. I, I I don't think we will. But but that day the church was birthed. And we are the church. And when I say that, the way the Bible describes the church, it's not an institution. New City Church is a small picture of the big church. We are the church. You are the church. That's what I'm saying. You, you are empowered as the church. You are enabled as the church. The, the Holy Spirit indwells you. As a follower of Jesus, the same spirit that came to those disciples and dwells you and me and us as believers, the same spirit that filled their gospel proclamation is capable of filling us. The same power that, that, that filled their gospel proclamation fills our gospel proclamation. This is why the Apostle Paul would say, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. It is the power of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Their faith-filled boldness to do what they did could could be our faith-filled boldness. Their mission is our mission. And and I I don't just mean New City Church. I mean it's your mission. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is your mission on campus at Mercer. If you're here as a Mercer student, beautiful, be here. God has brought you here. 
Education, absolutely wonderful. Be a missionary who's getting an education. Amen? What do you do? You're, you're in real estate? You're a missionary who is in real estate for the glory of God and the good of others. We are missionaries. God has called us to this. What, what, whatever our profession, God has called us to something greater. Something greater than that. Something that, that, that impacts and affects and, and by the grace of God and the power of the Spirit changes eternity forevermore. We have so much more to live for than going to school and going to work. And going to work and going to work and going to work. Let me close with this. What would it look like if we, if we really believed this? If we really believed that, that, that the Holy Spirit, this Holy Spirit, this incredible day is ours? What if we, what if we really believed that, that we are the called missionaries empowered by the Spirit, given the message, same message that they had? What if we, what if we believed that? What if we were... What if we believe that we were called to this family to participate with God in this, in this eternity-changing thing, this mission? I don't mean what if we, what if we said, yeah, I've heard that before and, and give mental assent to it. I mean, what if we believed it? What if we really believed that our lives were more than, than, than school and, and job? And, and as, as much as I love my family and as much as family is important to us, what, what if we realized that even the part of family is more than just family? What, what if we really, really believed it? What if, we, what if we believed it all? God's plan, his mission, our mission, the gift of the Spirit. What might happen? What might happen if, if we responded like the disciples responded? Believing. Believing. Filled with faith. Engaging our city with, with, with the same good news that they engaged Jerusalem with. So I, 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 just, I just want to close with one more question. If you, if you are here today as a follower of Christ, what is holding you back? What is keeping you from this? Because whatever it is that's keeping you from this is keeping us from this. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Thank you for the reminder that we need, that I need, a reminder that, that you are with us, that your spirit is great, that our lives matter far more than we imagine. Thank you for the gift of your spirit to encourage us, to convict us, to, to shape us into the image of Jesus that we were meant to be. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be good to remind us of all of this. And that we would know that you are with us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.